X-Ray FM is supported by Discogs, presenting X-Ray Sessions, a video showcase of live performances from up-and-coming touring musicians. The latest X-Ray Session featuring Sun Angle can be found online at youtube.com slash X-Ray FM. Hey, welcome to the Magic Hour. I'm your host, Anthony Alvarado, and I'm here in the X-Ray Studios with Jason Traeger. Hello, it's good to be here. And uh, we're doing a special holiday edition of the Magic Hour. We're going live, and we've got a live guest that's coming into the studio in a little bit, Noriko Ott, Portland's funniest person of the year, as I think chosen by... Uh, he won the Helium oh, he won Comedy a, Club's okay. Portland's Funniest Person competition, which this is year. a competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that'll be coming up. So stay tuned for that. But um, yeah, for right now, uh, we're just uh, yeah. How's it going? How's the holidays been treating you, Jason? Um, holidays have been fine. Um, I've been neglecting doing anything about the holidays up until the last minute like always um <laughs> you know it's always one of those things that just sort of sneaks up on me at the last minute i went wassailing last night what's that mean i think it's when you get drunk and you sing christmas songs oh you did that yeah, I, I had a shot of tequila and then i treated everybody at uh the, this party to a acapella version of uh, silent night that's funny which... i did a, i did a silent <laughs> night at a comedy show the other night yeah yeah the, the whole just, <laughs> just spontaneously, that's how I started off my set, was with Silent Night. It's but a beautiful song, I and sing it's really it, hard to pull off. I sing it in a very specific way. I'll give you a little sample of the way <laughs> I sing do. it. This is like a thing that I've uh, developed. Um, I sing it like this. Silent It's a thing I developed. Yeah. I do that for my girlfriend. And, and at first... <laughs> but she loves it. At, at first, she was very annoyed by it. But then, <laughs> then, give it a couple weeks, and she starts saying, do the silent night. <laughs> Creepy old guy voice. <laughs> you know? These, those things become in, in, endearing after You give it away for point. free at first, and then they come back, and they make them pay for it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I kicked that off. Then I went straight into Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Uh-huh. With the same... No, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, just in a straight-up, you know, sort okay. of Sinatra swinging yeah. version. And, I, uh, I, got a, I got a real soft spot for all those old-timey Christmas songs. and Oh, I like the new ones. The new ones? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't even know the new ones. but Yeah, they, they stopped making good Christmas songs, but all that, like the old uh, Johnny Mathis, oh, just yeah. the smooth, smoky renditions oh, yeah. of all those classics. The string section. Oh, yeah. I mean, nothing but, like Christmas music for nostalgia. Just It really does... 
So you don't have any, any special Christmas plans? You, you don't I'm going to visit mother. Or, yeah, yeah, me too. No, I don't do any of that stuff at my house. I mean, my apartment. It's, it's, You're it's Grinch. A, no, I'm, I, I, you know, <laughs> not a Grinch outwardly. I, I, in, inner Grinch. I, I keep yeah, the Grinch. I do it the other way around. I'm outwardly a, a Grinch. Like I complain to my girlfriend like, oh, man, I got to We got to buy you all these presents and we got to go visit the earth takes all this time and energy and money but i really love it yeah it's it's nice it's nice and get to see people and things like that of course this year um everything is seen through the lens of the coming uh 2017 (laughs) trump apocalypse so it makes christmas seem so precious because um you know it may be our last so (laughs) it gives it a certain poignancy that uh, i i forget if we've talked about this on this show um because we have talked about trump quite a bit in the last few shows but i definitely feel like there is this poignancy as you put it there's this um, this feeling that uh, that I've been walking around like I, I very specifically kind of the the day the election results came in I walked down uh, Alberta Street to meet up with some friends and there was just something almost this like fragile beauty to oh, yeah. everything that yeah. I just you know uh, really tuned into and I think I think it's, it's always a, been there I think it's but. a natural reaction to you know like if you get a uh, potentially fatal cancer diagnosis yeah. you know the world's going to take on a certain yeah sweet sadness yeah. um to you and so yeah. I, I so, feel like you know that's sort of that that vibe i definitely had that that feeling of tenderness towards my portland neighbors walking around being right. like look at all these cool people yeah all these nice human beings who can get along and, gentle sweet people yeah, yeah. and, Love and them. The, certainly the people in your life uh, <laughs> the closest to you you know definitely takes on an, an added uh, sweetness. Yeah, and there really is at the back of that. I mean, it's kind of a dark sweetness because at the back of that idea is this feeling like I don't know what might change. I don't know what's going to happen next. Like, really, you know, nobody really knows what, what's going to happen in, in the, on this ride. Yeah, we don't. Mm. We don't know. We don't know what the reality of it's going to be like. I, I tend to go back and forth. I tend to either think. Um, that life will carry on very similar to mm-hmm. as it is now, mm-hmm. um, or and then I that's uh, alternates between feelings of sheer <laughs> that, that I think it'll be twenty times worse than we can even imagine. Yeah, and I sort of go back and forth between I mean, those me things. too. It's been like a whiplash thing because I'll, I'll get to this point where I'll you know I'll kind of like on purpose uh, ignore the news and, and ignore like reading about what's going on the the cabinet picks and the latest dumb thing that he said and it's just it's overwhelming paying attention to to the idiot 24 7 so i'll unplug and start to feel pretty great about everything I'm like oh, life's great I'll, yeah. i'm having a great time and then i'll get sucked back into it and and kind of like freak out I'm like oh my gosh we're we're yeah, doomed right it's the pendulum and going back and forth there's got to be a way to balance it a way to find some middle uh, well, I mean, I think one thing that is very apparent to me is is the the um, almost therapeutic quality of focusing on your immediate reality, uh-huh. your physical reality. Um, at any given time, that's always an option mm-hmm. to sort of look around and and take account of the actual world that you're living in physically at this moment. Yeah, which, like for instance, right now, sitting in this nice studio mm-hmm. with a friend. Uh, wonderful radio station. Yeah, anticipating another friend, Nariko Ott, showing up to talk about life and comedy. It's awesome. Yeah, you know this is a good moment. Mm-hmm. We're discussing things that we care about. This is awesome. Take account of that, 
and take that in and hold it and yeah. and uh, cherish it. And you'll find that if you make that a practice, you all day long you're doing that. You know, yeah, essentially. I, well, I feel like a lot of the things that I, I've been thinking about um, for a while, like stuff like that, stuff like being present, stuff like uh, dealing with um, something that that I think about a lot is how, is how do we as a culture learn to deal with media over media saturation over saturation with the internet with social media with facebook and you know th- that's a new thing that wasn't around oh, yeah. when we were kids and i don't think that we have culturally evolved to be able to handle the level of information and uh, amusement that's always at our fingertips and so that's something that i, I think about a lot and well our current moment proves we can't handle it yeah and I we're mean, we're it's it's like the <clears throat> the ride or the the puzzle just got way harder like things just got way more like yes ooh, stuff got real you know that that's feeling. why that's part of why i think it's so important to ground yourself in, in your immediate reality yeah because it is so we're so unmoored and we're so unhinged and you can easily drift in any direction that the tide will take you but uh you know the felt presence of immediate reality is is one of the few things that no one can take from you under any circumstances even if they make that that felt presence of immediate reality miserable Mm -hmm. it's still yours Mm -hmm. and that cannot be taken by any power or any person outside yourself it is the absolute uh you know it is your thing yeah it's it's like every every person has their own world that uh that is theirs and it's up to them you know what what world are you going to create out of your life out of your reality and i think that when we freak out too much about trump we're kind of acting as though this person actually can can control our reality which is not the case you know your own experience your own uh, story of your life that you're unfolding that's always going to be up to you it's not up to some guy just because he won the electoral college he, he no. can't you know change that no uh, hardly no i mean he's still a um well it's interesting to consider that I've never seen him in person. I've never met him. I probably never will see him in person or ever mm. meet him. I hope I don't because I'd right. probably get thrown in jail afterwards for same goes him with in Barack Obama. Same <laughs> goes with uh, every leader. Oh, I'd love to meet Barack Obama. It, but I'm saying but the point of what I was going to say is just simply <laughs> that they only exist in your head as an idea. Yes, yeah, as, as the, they're they're only something you've seen on a screen, right? Yes. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just, it is a strange thing that all of this kind of cultural. I, I mean, is it? I guess it's cultural. This impact that uh, that the Trump presidency is going to have on American life for the next four years. It's all. It all comes through screens. I always think it's incredibly hopeful when people say for the next four years. <laughs> I think that's a or very nice four to forty years. That's I mean, a very nice bright uh, <laughs> thing to consider because <laughs> it's spoken with such confidence. Yeah, for the next four years, we'll have to deal with this. It's like, a, yeah. Well, and maybe not even that. What's you know? it been for Putin? Fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I think that it's important to remember that um, you know the the Republican Party. And Trump, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, they're not necessarily on the same page at all, and so there's the potential, you know. I wonder uh, is, that, get, is, that, is get, that true anymore? Well, I think I think that any uh, member of Congress, the bottom line for them is they care about reelection, mm-hmm. and they care about their own reelection more than Donald Trump's reelection, and mm-hmm. that's really important to remember. I think that if people, I, I saw this really great. Um, uh, kind of simple outline that some uh, 
progressive politicians put together and they're saying, you know, we can do what the Tea Party did right. and, and have this kind of powerful mm-hmm. grassroots movement. And what they did is they, uh, they acted defensively against um, uh, the agenda of Obama. Yeah. No, and I believe, I absolutely believe that if, if the... And put pressure Democrat- on their local members of Congress. Yes. And that's what I was I'm getting at is that I, I think that uh, what they care about is re-election more than sure. Donald Trump's re-election. Sure. So I definitely feel that uh, the Democrats need to learn from the GOP. One very valuable lesson is that obstruction works. Mm-hmm. It's just been absolutely proven. I mean, the, the GOP had, for eight years was pure obstruction. That's basically what they did. And look where they are now. They yeah. run. They run the show. It, it so worked. It worked. It absolutely works. And that's one of the things that I think. You know, when I see these Democratic people, Democratic leaders saying, you know, when we if we work with the Trump administration and we achieve things, yeah. uh, that'll prove to everybody that we're better. You know, it's like <laughs> no, that's not going to pr- improve to anybody. Right. We're, we're better because we no. It must be obstruct, obstruct, obstruct. Yeah. It's and a I, fascist agenda. It must just pure obstruction. And there's two sides to that. One side is to. Uh, to pressure the Republican Party, if if you live somewhere where you have a local uh, member of Congress that you can telephone them or you can email them, they listen to that. They have people yeah. in on their staff that tally up how many calls they got about specific bills, about specific yeah. agendas. So they do respond to that. And so one thing to do is to reach out and contact those uh, Republican members of Congress and tell them, hey, you know, don't do this and the other the other thing that you can do is reach out to um to encourage democratic members of congress and and try to uh tell them yeah to obstruct to not just go along with it to not pretend like yeah this is fine everything's fine oh yeah well i think we're all on a on a learning curve about what method of activism to mm-hmm. um, to 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 employ um what what to do um again it's that thing where the threats the challenges are so vast and and diverse and diffuse that you can spin out and feel yeah. ho- helpless and hopeless yeah. but if we i think pick one or two things to focus on right and focus on those and also focus locally to a huge extent and I think to adopt the sort of strategy that used to belong to the right of states' rights mm-hmm. and get into this idea that, mm-hmm. you know, we have to, as a state, look after ourselves to a large degree. Yeah. Because, and I mean, if you think the federal government under Trump is going to care a lot about Oregon and sp- specifically Portland, right. you're kidding me. You know, yeah, no, but California, on the other hand, California, I forget the exact um, piece of of, uh, of the numbers, but I think California, if it was a country... You know, is among the top ten, it's the like, fifth, fifth largest economy in the world. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. And California has been very bold in saying to Trump, like, oh, "Look, yeah. we're not going to uh, go along with with your baloney. We're going to yeah. fight it." Yeah, and well, that's the reason why the Republicans are doing these fantasies about, like, <laughs> if California didn't exist, we would have <laughs> blah blah blah. And I just read an art or a tweet on my friend Emma Arnold, who's a great comic from. Idaho. She had a tweet saying she was in a coffee shop today in Idaho, and there was an old man at the counter talking to everybody about how that uh, Idaho could invade California what? and would be able to take it over <laughs> because nobody in California has guns. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, I, I t- retweeted <laughs> it and suggested that he and his fishing buddies start in East Oakland. Yeah, with, they, with they the have inv- not been with the they have not been to California if. Uh... <laughs> If that's what they're thinking. But that's California like, is a huge 
weird place. I mean, it, it is kind of like a country, you know. It feels like this vast place with all these different cultures and California subcultures. And yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's uh, yeah. We're moving into wild and woolly territory, but I do think that um, yeah, creating creating a plan, kind of setting up a. Um, what about a plan B? We uh, we join for Oregon, California, Washington, um, and what what do they call that? The Cascadia and secede mm-hmm. from the Union. There's been talk of that. Yeah, there's been. I'm and it's you know it's just talk, but um, it's it's starting to look kind of attractive. Or joining with Canada, people talk about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I read I read an article about the the reality of that, and you know, it does seem incredibly far fetched, and the pain it would does. be yeah. enormous. And we would have a neighbor that would be absolutely <clears throat> terrifying. You know, <laughs> well, you mean, know, they're already our neighbors. Well, that's what mistake. I mean, though. But we would have a. Uh, we would have. That's the thing, though. In if we actually were to do that, uh, we'd be taking so like kind of a, the a positive influence on the body politic as a whole of the nation oh, yeah. away from the dynamic which is actually kind of scary if you think about it so yeah it's it's down the road and when i say the road i'm talking about the book the road <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i read that book it was so grim i couldn't read the movie or watch the movie the movie you know the you know this, this is how how i roll i, I rewatched that recently uh-huh. the movie and i had seen it when it first came out and uh, cuz i'm a total apocalypse junkie i, I, mean, I love Cormac mccarthy oh he's great yeah, yeah. No, no country for old men that's one of his great movie adaptations but the uh i watched the road and i my takeaway from it watching it for the second time was that the the kid in mm. the road because there's mainly the two characters yeah the, the dad, dad and, the kid. and the kid and the kid is like this kid is born right right as the road is beginning, you know, mm-hmm. like the end of cult civilization has happened. 20, there's 2020. Cannibal rape gangs outside the house and the mom kills herself and the kid. I'm sorry if I'm giving anything away. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it's not pretty. The road it's doesn't. Grim. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert. Uh, but uh, And so this is the kid's born at that point. And then he's like, what, eight, nine, ten, maybe when the movies, uh-huh, yeah. the major narrative is happening. And yet the kid's like, why can't we give the man some food, daddy? And are we the good guys and stuff? And I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. How how does he have like a how, concept? How like is that? this kid? Yeah, exactly. How yeah. is this kid like so kind hearted and like so sort of shocked by the evil? The kid would be so numb yeah. and completely uh, used well, you know, to savagery. Cormac McCarthy wrote that book uh, because he, he had a son. And so that was like his, right. like his gift Road to, to his son, son is like... Yeah, here's where we're going, maybe. So <laughs> we got each other, kiddo. But yeah, the point I guess I was trying to make is just that I found the road to be way too sugarcoated. The oh movie. man, yeah, just yeah, <laughs> too too uplifting. Way too uplifting. And then the <laughs> ending where it's like sort of shows this like hopeful thing of like, oh, he's going to join up with this family and and maybe you know yeah they've got a daughter and maybe I, it's I feel Adam like and Eve and I'm just like yeah no, I feel like after No it's, Country it's for it's Old over. Men, which I think he wrote right before the road. I mean that No Country for Old Men is completely bleak. There's oh, yeah. no there's no redemption, there's no gold silver line. Like it's, it's just yeah, it's just boom dark the end. Oh, spoiler alert. Uh, if you haven't seen No Country for Old Men, but I feel like after that kind of like uh nihilistic portrayal of of the Wild West, um you know, he Cormac McCarthy earned the right to to just uh have a a nice happy ending. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> Happy ending to the road. Talk about Hollywood. <laughs> yep. Have you ever seen the uh, Michael Haneke movie, Hour of the Wolf, or Time of the Wolf, I think it might be called? No, I, I don't watch those high flutin artsy. Oh, it's one of those un, <laughs> unknown gems of a post-apocalyptic films. Really? Hour oh, of the yeah. Wolf. 
Hour of the Wolf, or Time of the Wolf, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, a, man, one of those amazing ones. So good. Yeah, there's definitely been, I feel like, kind of a renaissance of a apocalypse. Um, apocalyptarian apocalyptarian filmmaking. filmmaking in in the past uh year well we're gonna get Noriko Ah in here and we'll ask him for his top uh top apocalypse films of all time let's take a little break and bring Noriko in all right Support for X-Ray FM comes from Bridge City Cleaning Service, a local company providing custom cleaning to hundreds of homes in the greater Portland area. More information at bridgecitycleaning.com or by phone at 503-238-1232. X-Ray FM would like listeners to know about FreeGeek, a Portland-based nonprofit committed to transforming used technology into opportunity, education, and community. As an official Oregon eCycles drop site, FreeGeek teaches volunteers how to refurbish used technology, including computers, tablets, TVs, smartphones, and more. These are then sold in FreeGeek's electronic thrift shop to support hardware grants to thousands of nonprofits, schools, and community change organizations. Find out more at freegeek.org or 503-232-9350. And we're back. You're listening to the Magic Hour here on X-Ray FM, live from X-Ray. I'm your host, Anthony Alvarado. And I'm your host, Jason Traeger. And we are here with the hilarious, wonderful, comedic genius, (laughs) winner of 2016 Helium Comedy Club, Portland's Funniest Person contest. 2016, did I say 2016? Noriko Ott is here with us. Hello, Noriko. Welcome to the show. Hey, Feeling, yeah. Thank feeling? you for having me. I'm feeling. Yeah. So, how's your year been? How's 2016? <laughs> it started off. Uh, <laughs> well, it was good, and, you know, and then it uh, and it got better in the middle, uh-huh. sometime around that helium contest, and then mm-hmm. here at the end, uh, <laughs> real tapering off. It's tapering on <laughs> deep taper. Yeah, is there a deep taper here at the end? <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> what have you been doing, Noriko, to uh, buoy your spirits? Oh man, pills! I uh, <laughs> <laughs> give us some names. <laughs> no, I uh, yeah, I, I really I was I was having a real rough time with it, and then uh, honestly, I, uh, it's all about self care here. Like I was uh, doing, a, I got some sleeping pills, uh, nothing too powerful or whatever, and uh, yeah, just help if you can get some sleep, then you can eat, and then you've done like I think sixty five percent of the work. I'm feeling like <laughs> mm-hmm. feeling good, you know, and, and getting yourself in a, a good headspace, and then um, and then. Uh, and then I'd like to also just a little denial, and then you're great. You're, you're got a lot of <laughs> you got everything you need. Yeah, we should change the name of the uh, Willamette River to uh, to denial, <laughs> denial. <laughs> so, um, what what have you been doing to manage your um, like intake of information, or how 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 Ooh, has that been working out? For I've you? curbed it a lot. I think a lot of people have, like because mm-hmm. um, there's there's a level of 
powerlessness now that you have and you can't do anything so why would you want to keep feeding into this you know sense of um of being overwhelmed or you know so i haven't stopped reading news but there's definitely like a maybe like a two article limit i can have in a day now where because i can feel myself topping off on yeah. on a feeling of and then also it's um uh, I don't know. Like there's there's stuff that's happening, and and you want to be active, and you want to you know, so you want to keep up on those things and try to help any way you can. But then there's also like some things are are they're also being written in, in a in a way that maybe uh, is, an, is somebody trying to get an article with a lot of clicks on it, so they're making it sound uh, you know more apocalyptic. Yeah. Or as at the most apocalyptic and and the most pessimistic it can. So um, what happened next will shock you. Yeah. yeah. Or like you know, uh, <laughs> you know. Right. Steve Bannon needs babies or whatever. And you'd be like, oh, come on. Me can't get a baby eating guy in there. We've, we're against babies now. And so, like, yeah. So uh, it's one of those things where you, so you, I, I'm just like, okay, what's, what do we, you know, what's, what's the base information? And then I'll, I'll decide, you know, like how much of that is too much for right now. And yeah. How about as a comic? That's something that I've been grappling with. I do mm. stand up comedy as well. Um, I was third funniest person in the Willamette <laughs> Week poll in 2015. Or, yeah. <laughs> I'm just throwing out my credit. Wait, you uh, were third funniest when I was fifth funniest in that same poll? Well, that's that's what's... No, that wasn't the same poll. You oh. were, but that was the year before. Oh, was I... T- I thought it was 2015. Were you in 2016? Was it this Wait, year? No, this year so it was like is there a term? Is there a term limit? Like on January 20th, do you pass your title? Well, the crown of... The crown? There's so many different... M- Oh, well. Competitions. Yeah. And the Willamette Week, things. it doesn't mean anything. Well, so the, that's Willamette what we're <laughs> <laughs> the Willamette Week one is deeply flawed just because there's only so many comics in Portland and it's gone like five years in a uh-huh. row. So, like, Noriko got like fifth place like uh-huh. three years ago or right. something. And Noriko's like definitely number one or, or in the top three or five <laughs> comics for sure in Portland in terms of just like, you know, but he can never win again because right. he was in the contest once. So like, it's so like yeah, it's like term he, limitations. Like, you know, it'd be yeah, too much power. Exactly. Just, you know, <laughs> but, it, but so he's only forever, eight years. So in that poll, he's forever <laughs> locked as fifth place guy. You right, know what I mean? Right, it's, right. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's flawed. And uh, you know, three years from now, it'll be like a guy who's done open mics for eight months was the funniest person. I'd, yeah, yeah. I think they should put out Portland's like least funny person. Oh, it's a year. <laughs> it would be impossible to figure out. <laughs> oh my god, how would you? What's the metric? Just some in some tr- guy in that's really dour. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, <laughs> pick the least funniest and make him number one. <laughs> but uh, why did we? Why was I talking about that? Oh, I was saying with comedy, it's like it really does feel like if you're at all an engaged human being as a comic and uh, non-hack it changes everything everything's mm-hmm. changed you know mm-hmm. and like what how do you how have you grappled with that in writing and presenting yourself to mm. the world it's hard it's really hard because yeah um uh because uh, like nobody wants to hear about president sauron and like so everyone's <laughs> kidding so if you bring it up, it's immediately like Browns. it's it's a real yeah it's a real um, pulling off a bandaid. It does it, it does yeah, not. Yeah. So you have to have something really good to make somebody laugh. And I've only seen like two people have something worth bringing. You know, the joke was good enough to bring to bring up the subject. And that was right after the election. That was something uh, Caitlin Weirhauser and I and Matt uh, Monroe did for our show. Um, what is your show with those oh, guys? Thank you. Uh, I have a show called You're Welcome at Mississippi Pizza. It's a great show. Uh, it's a weekly. It's every Wednesday. Cool. So it was like the day after uh, the election. And so we were, uh, it was, you know, real somber time. And so we decided like, okay, let's just not 
uh, you know, so we, right at the top of the show, we acknowledged like, okay, it's wow, <laughs> you know, like this is bad. And then we just decided, we were like, okay, well, let's just have a good time and let's just all for one hour try to have a good time and forget and whatever. And that was, uh, as an experience for as a comedian and um, with an audience, was a very like, um, I think helped all of us like a lot, yeah. like because it, it was it it, sh- it was a sense of uh, coming together and and uh, healing, if, if, for lack of a better word, humanizing exactly. Yeah. So it, like as a comic, it's one of those moments where uh, as a comedian, it, it really made you realize. So you're listening to KXRY Portland at 107.1 and 90.1 FM, streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. This is the Magic Hour. We are talking with Noriko Ott about uh, the comedy, um, how how comedians have been responding to the Trump presidency and how that's impacted. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's like it's funny, but it's not funny. You know, he's I think Trump's like kind of just really a laughable person and that almost he's he's got you know the hair and the orange skin and Mm -hmm. he's ridiculous and that kind of um inoculates him from in some way from being able to make fun of him very easily because he's already so buffoonish and clownish that it's like i don't know how do you satirize that like he was we treated him like a clown up until he won frankly (laughs) and then and it did not serve us very well because there were still people going yeah you know whatever because they um clowns better than a lady and then uh (laughs) or whatever and was there thinking and so because of that now now we're in a place where it's like oh sweet jesus this plane's being flown by a clown yeah (laughs) this isn't funny and like and so uh, now we're in the back just you know uh i feel like as a comic like you know you were a lot of times we're, we're, I don't know, we're, we're we're dealing with the psyche of the of the country, you know, mm-hmm. that we live in, and 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 the times we live in. So, as a comic, I've definitely been. It's hard to bring up something political, like, and now I've I've pull a bunch of political jokes where I'm like, they seem they seem silly now because you mean like, older ones. Yeah, I have older stuff. Like I had a joke about like military spending, you yeah. know, and now that joke just it's a great joke. Thank you, but that joke is also like at this point, it, to me, I'm like. I'm, as I'm telling it, I'm like, man, remember when uh, this is going to be one of those like in a in a year, I'm going to be like, remember when we had a choice in these kind of things, sort of, <laughs> like like where even if our say was kind of you know something, like or or um, and then I have you know, and then so there's so there's stuff like that where you're like, oh, that seems like small potatoes now. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it, it's going to be difficult, and then also you know, I'm all, you're dealing with there's people whose very uh, angry politics are like have been justified to them. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Seemingly. So I, there's also a time where like, ah, I wonder if somebody's going to be at like really up in my face mm-hmm. for, um, for, you know, and politics is always one of those things where it's like, you're probably going to bump a couple mm-hmm. people out or piss a couple people off. Do you do much road work? Do you get out of the blue state America I, doing comedy very much? I, I do. Not, not a, not a ton. Um, but I, I do. And I usually do, do pretty well. Like, um, and that's fine. Um, I've, uh, I've got enough sexual material to really <laughs> soften the, I did a, I did a show in a biker bar in, and, uh, what was it, Angola? No, that's not right. Uh, <laughs> Angola Penitentiary. No, it was up in Washington. Um, mm, eh, mm, uh, uh, was it called Angola? It's not Angola. Amboy, Washington? Amboy, no. 
Anyway, it's outside of Auburn. It was cold. Yeah, how do you when you when you so small town outside of mm-hmm. Auburn? When you show up to a place and you're gonna do a show, do you kind of like test the wind, look at the posters on the wall? Like, how do you kind of like decide what material is gonna work at a I, place? I pulled up at a place that looked like it used to be an IHOP in the middle of nowhere, and it had nothing but semi trucks and like 25 Harleys, and I was like, my political stuff probably won't go over here. <laughs> You know, like this, this seems more in the purple area than I'm used to <laughs> from a joke. How did this show go? Uh, and actually, the show went really well. And I was there with Caitlin and Caitlin like, uh, just uh, was my hero because she was featuring. So I was like headlining. Oh, that was the other part. I walked in and I asked uh, Luke Severide, who was doing the show. I was like, um, oh, uh. so I'm like, OK, I can't do some of my political stuff. I'm going to tear down, like, taper down my set. And then, it, like, how much time am I doing? He goes, oh, yeah, 45 minutes. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> cool. Oh, God. I've got a solid three hours. This yeah. won't be a problem. I'm like, I'm going to have to. No, that was not what I said. <laughs> um, but I'm like, I'm like, I'm really going to have to buffer this with stuff about butts or something <laughs> at the beginning. But Caitlin went up and she did stuff about, because, you know, she, we, her and I both grew up, you know, uh, uh like poor or whatever, you know, so we, you know, we have poor, a lot of, I've heard the term. Yeah. We have a lot of, uh, you know, like that, that kind of experience. Um, and then, but then by the end of it, she was doing stuff about gender politics yeah. and stuff and was killing. And she's so, uh, just totally my hero. I was like, I, I can't, this is great. You yeah. Know? And like, so, I mean, that's something you can probably approach, um, in talking about that stuff through comedy in a lot mm-hmm. of ways that people yeah. wouldn't be open to hearing from from like you know a more serious take on exactly it, and and so that's what i did i mean i just went up and i just did a bunch of silly stuff and and whatever and you know for most of my set and then by the time i got to things where i was actually talking about something more serious they already liked me like i wasn't somebody they hated like they got they, they got to know me yeah. i was making fun of myself for yeah. about 30 minutes straight <laughs> so that you something know something i've been thinking about a lot is is like one of the things that i just to orient myself with crowds is I think to myself, I have more in common. Let's say this whole room is Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. You know, I have more in common with a Trump supporter and they have more in common with me than we do with Trump. Yeah. Like and his cabinet. You know Absolutely. what I mean? And that's sort of just one of the general ways that I orient myself as I go. We all have so much more in common with one another than we do with this clown. Yeah. You know, and that com- going from that as the springboard helps me just or, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. get my bearings. Absolutely. And I, uh, that's always something uh, you. It's easy to give your, not give yourself the benefit of the doubt. Like, yeah. like I'll see twenty Harleys and go, and I, you know, and just immediately be like, oh no, or something. Yeah. But when in fact I'm like, oh no, I, I went to to school with like, yeah. you know, what I mean, like like, I plus I grew up in small towns on the coast yeah. here. Yeah. I'm like, it was mostly that's, that's I, a, yeah. a big part of my upbringing. Like I have, you know, yeah. vestigial. Uh, uh, <laughs> Like, you know, I, I speak in country twang <laughs> here and there. It's it's still in there. Yeah, I grew up in a lot of small towns, too. And uh, I was always like, someday I'm going to live in Portland. In the big city. Here we are, coastal elites. <laughs> We're the coastal elites. I have a question. If I, if I don't I'm know a, about elite, a, but... If I'm a coastal elite, how is it that every job I've had involves <laughs> a broom on some level? <laughs> right. like, how, yeah. how, I, don't I wondered know. about that. Yeah, yeah I grew up on a, on a dead-end street, and at the end of our street, there was a house that was occupied by a Vietnam vet biker. And we used to go to his house as children uh-huh. and shoot guns <laughs> in his house. What? Yeah, and I, I double-checked. Loaded so, guns. Twenty two caliber rifle. <laughs> We would go. We would go have dog food eating contests, and then we would shoot at photos on his wall with oh, that's a twenty-two. A, that's a good time. Dog food so, eating uh, contest. 
So yeah, I, I would say I have more in common with the average Trump voter than I do oh, with Trump. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Shoot a twenty two in the house. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those ones that I was like remembering that going like, was that a air <laughs> air gun? And I just didn't remember. And I called my brother and I was like, Did we used to shoot an actual like gun in his house, right? And he's like, uh, Oh yeah, yeah, that was a twenty two. Wow. And that's, I was like nine. That is so funny. <laughs> You're like, whoa, 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 where are you going? That's an indoor gun. <laughs> that's an indoor gun. It was cool to shoot in here. He had some uh, yeah. some issues post-war, I think. <laughs> he also had these massive dogs that he would put outside when we shot the guns. But uh, but these dogs were like as tall as I was, and we would like have dog food eating contest where we'd eat the dog's food yeah, in I was front gonna of ask, these dogs okay, as children. To, to tease the no, dogs. No potential for facial injuries. <laughs> <in that scenario. laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Dogs just staring at me. Are we going to let these do How much... Things? Was it timed? Like how much you could consume in a minute? Or I don't just recall, like, but it was just kind of like if you could eat it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always ate a bunch. It wasn't that I, bad. Cat food's not that bad, as I remember. I'm sure we'll be living on speaking it in the future. Speaking of so. eating, yeah, I was going to say, speaking <laughs> of eating dog food, <laughs> develop 2018, everybody. Develop a taste now. Um, yeah, I, I am wondering, like, okay, is it time to start kind of hoarding things? And mm. I got a basement. Like, maybe I stock up on cans of tuna. And you don't need a apocalypse to hoard. This is America. Okay. <laughs> no, you can hoard any more storage you want. units than yeah. there are apartments. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> time to start that collection. You might even become a TV star. I have a friend who's a, a serious hoarder. He has five of everything. He has, he has uh, five motorcycle helmets, five snowboards, mm. five coffee makers. Where does he live? Um, his, his address is just uh, down Killingsworth, but you know now I'm thinking, gosh, I think yeah, maybe he's ahead of the curve because mm -hmm. he's he's all set. I had that joke where I was like, remember we used to uh, watch uh, uh, Doomsday Preppers and 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 like feel like superior, yeah. And now we're like, oh, oh. genius! <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so true. I've had a lot of uh, talks with friends about like their ideas about uh, firearms and they've been like you know I'm actually just thinking I just want to go shoot one to see what it feels like you know yeah. I grew up you know like I said I shot guns and we also shot had guns as a family and it was part of our life not a huge thing but we would obviously you know I knew how to clean a Ruger 22 you know mm -hmm. and we had a handgun and shotgun and and uh, yeah you know it was part of and so the weight of a gun the feel of one discharging in my hand is not foreign to me but uh, you know for a lot of Americans that's just an, something they've never a lot of left-leaning mm -hmm. progressives that's something they've never experienced yeah and i think not necessarily it's like i was talking with my girlfriend about that i was saying um you know feel like part of me just wants to because i've been doing the pendulum where i'm feeling totally angry and pissed off and violent and, and ready for war on one second then the next second i'm thinking about how can we all get develop better modes of communication and mm -hmm. find one another but when i'm in the more sort of angry apocalyptic uh i I, I, I will talk about like firearms and she's like she's like why don't you start by going to the gym before you start stockpiling weapons start with the gym then maybe a self-defense class that's, yeah then we'll move up to I, like a retractable a collapsible baton the, and then past the collapsible baton we'll go into small arms yeah the like the day or two after the election some some friends came over and they found me in my garage like like swinging a kettlebell around and which i you mm -hmm. know it was unusual for me like what are you doing, Anthony? You're working out. I was like, man, it's going to be a good time to be a really buff Mexican in 2017. Well, it's always good to get in shape. You know? Yeah. I mean, it helps men your mental health and, uh, you know, yeah. But I definitely feel, yeah, that, that, that it's it's healthy to exercise all those um, 
parts of yourself and think about it all. Because part of what you're doing is you're uh, modeling and thinking, well, who am I? What what do I do? What are my values? What am I Mm -hmm. uh, about? And what are my tactics? And what are the things that I can employ? And you run through them. And sometimes fantasies, I think, are just modeling, you know? Mm. Absolutely. And working out uh, feelings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What have you, Marika, Marika, what have you been finding? Have you found any media sources or podcasts or uh, particular comics or cultural voices that have been inspiring or have helped you kind of make sense of things? Oh, man. Um, ooh. I, see, it's hard because I've been, I've been, um, I think I've been doing what a lot of people do and I've been, I've been, a lot of uh, avoidance tactics. Mm-hmm. Where, um, not, not crazy. I don't put my hand, head in the sand, but there's also, um, you've got to balance out you know, feelings of being overwhelmed with, you know, whatever. So as a comic, I've been listening to uh, the Lori, the Lori, Jackie and Lori show uh, podcast. Jackie Cation and Lori. Um, Kilmartin. Kilmartin. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and they, they just talk about comedy and being like, and they're, they've both been doing it for like 20, 25 years or they're something. They're fantastic. Incredible comics. So, and so there's been things like that where I've been listening to those, like, you know, to get away. Um, and he doesn't do them enough. They both talk a lot about, at least on Twitter, both of them are very politically yeah, absolutely. focused. Yeah, This uh, is their podcast. But their podcast is mostly just about uh, just comedy and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that, that's that been one where I'm like, oh, I'll get away. I'll like, listen to this. Um, how, like, but f- politics, um, I, I don't know. Like uh, Dan Carlin's, both of his podcasts, I, I've been loving. Like, Hardcore History. Hardcore History has been great, um, which is probably why I'm more freaked out than most people. <laughs> 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 I'm all because like, I... You know, Those who know their history are condemned to oh, think about it. Oh my goodness! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so my girlfriend, like, she was, you know, she's been very, uh, you know, like, oh, you're being, you know, you, we don't know, and you've got to, we got to focus on now, and you know, you're being ridiculous. And then, uh, and then, like, let's just last night, she's, like, yeah, I always hated history, never really liked it. And like, and I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> so frustrating. Um, so yeah, but yeah, Dan, Dan Carlin's hardcore history is like, um, but so that one's been great. And he also does another one called Common Sense, where he just sort of mm-hmm. um, talks about um, politics, but in a way where he's um, he's breaking. And he did, he did one where he really broke down the Trump appointees. And but he did it in a way where it was um, it was helpful and not yeah and not like whoa you know it, he went okay so there's this guy but yeah. you know it's like, this isn't as bad as it could be with this and right. then he like really breaks down like this person's mm-hmm. and he goes and I'll tell you this person you know and this isn't the worst thing it could be and then he was so it was very um, it was very glass half full and yeah. I but it, that was something very helpful he did another one where he inter- oh uh, hardcore history he interviewed um bill dwyer who's a um a, a, a famous like historian and he was like very optimistic actually mm-hmm. like he was like what was his take what was his his take was that he thought f- fascism in the west was over basically mm-hmm. like that he said there's too many cats out of the bag it's yeah. too late Last it's gasp. it's something that it can't it just can't at this point take over and 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 so and he was saying like and this is a a blip, and things might get you know rough. But he goes, but uh, this is you know this might be one of those time periods where things get weird. But I, he was I also need to saying, listen to this because uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm totally scared of the the whole the fascist element. Yes, actually, I am very too. frightening. Uh, but he you know he was feeling like that it was it was something that couldn't come back and mm-hmm. uh, or, or get fully come back fully fully into a yes. full yeah, yes. just philosophy. because there's something in like American culture established now where we wouldn't he, we wouldn't stand for it. He um he was just saying that it was 
that, that it's there's yeah I don't know his point was that it was just, it was just dude, he said too many cats out of the bag and yeah. like that it was it was just something that it couldn't blossom yeah. fully I I don't know that I agree but that that was <laughs> nice to hear uh, it was very nice to hear I, <laughs> well Ian Mackay you know Ian Mackay of Fugazi minor yeah. threat fame cultural icon um, of punk and just American culture I saw an interview with him uh, after the election trauma had set in and he and he put it this way that I thought was pretty good was he said that he sees it as like there's this ship and it's on the seas and there were two captains fighting over the wheel, mm -hmm. you know, and that, that Trump got the wheel. But that the ship, and so now it's turning towards a different destination, mm -hmm. but that the ocean itself is still going the direction, like the tides that, yes, the bigger tides are still in effect. And things like, you know, gay rights in America, it's just not going to. We're not going to go, go back to the 1950s, mm -hmm. um, and that and race, you know, ideas about racism and stuff. The world is going in this, and this is partly a reaction to those tides that are going in that direction. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, we're we're not going to live in a world like the ones we've lived in in the past. It, it's going to be a new world, and so people who want to go back to some idealized past, making it great again, <laughs> it's not going to happen in mm -hmm. the big picture. But but there will be these very painful. Uh, kinds of yeah. clawbacks, you know, mm -hmm. yes, that will feel like actual claws. Yeah, I always thought about how <laughs> on our backs. well, not in a good way. We've always learned that, like, like that, you know, anytime there's like any kind of progressive movement, like whatever, like uh, the shift, the backlash yeah. is always yeah. so severe. Yeah, like this, is, it's so incredibly severe, but it always ends up being pushed left. You know, mm -hmm. like ultimately, but um, but the backlash is so severe. So I remember thinking, like, where after Trump was elected, I'm like. Like thinking of the backlash thing, and I'm like, man, all this because of like, well, I mean, I because think of like, you're like, uh, you know, he, I was like, oh, please don't call me her. I just they is fine. <laughs> oh, no, you know, so a competent like, black person was a president. No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, just like uh, eight years of everything being fine. He being really, everything, yes, but. everything being really good. Actually, no, no. it's like that backlash. You're like, what? <laughs> No, it, it is it is completely amazing. I've been having uh, one of the things that has given me I don't know if the comfort's the right word, but uh, has helped me is I've been doing a lot of looking at like um, biggest pictures, mm -hmm. you know, sweeps of time, right? Uh, archaeology, mm -hmm. um, geology, bio yeah. bi biological evolution, things like that. Just these these large sweeps and and also looking at like uh, the bigger picture on on uh, things that. Motivate human beings to act. You know yeah. the most basic things that we're that we're after to try and sort of step back out of the day to day. So you're taking solace in the fact that the solar system and the sun will be around no matter what. Ex well, <laughs> exactly, or just even that we don't know enough about what the nature of reality right. itself even is to tr to to cast yeah. true like judgment over like this is terrible, this is horrible. I mean, we really don't know. And I so I've been seeking out those kinds of voices. Um, and I found a great podcast that actually has been probably the most helpful to me. Uh, it's called um, You Are Not So Smart. Oh, yeah. Do you know that one? I've seen it, yeah. I downloaded it and haven't listened yet. Oh, man, you're in for a treat. Yeah. Because basically what it's all about is the ways that we delude ourselves mm -hmm. and uh, the narratives, the stories we tell ourselves, mm -hmm. the uh, lies we tell ourselves, um, and the fallacies that we and the assumptions that we make about everything, which is basically you know how we're allowed to live. <laughs> we allow ourselves to live by yeah. you know fun functioning on a, a <coughs> collection of assumptions. But uh, one of the ones that was most fascinating to me was this uh, recent episode with a neuro 
psychologist, I think is his title. He's a scientist who studies the mind and consciousness itself um, named Donald Hoffman. He has a famous TED Talk that was um, very popular, two million hits. And they have an interview with him. So interesting. So, so interesting. One of the things that he uh, put forward is this idea that, um, you know, many uh, neuropsychologists sort of have this idea that consciousness, like that there's the truth and that like, say, humans see one part of the truth. Yeah. And that a crow, for instance, would see a different part of the truth and, and another part of the truth. But and then together we see these aspects of the truth that give us enough of the truth. Of yeah, reality. every every different species has a different interpretation. Yeah. They have different uh, rods in their eyes. Right. They're going to be seeing different spectrums of light. Yes. But but, I wanted to uh, just let listeners maybe that are tuning in. We're, you're listening to the Magic Hour on X-Ray. We're talking with Noriko Ott here. And uh, we're getting into um, models of perception, I think. which Big, uh, big yeah, pictures. Yeah. So what he, what he puts forward is this other idea, which is that none of us see any aspect of the truth. And that, the, the, that it's more like we operate, we're on a desktop of the computer. And what uh -huh. we see are the symbols on the desktop, yeah. right, as they relate to our organism. And, the but, user interface. But that the computer, we do not see. And, yeah. and I mean, that's true on like a quantum see, level. And we or, don't want to see. Or a physics level, because that would be meaningless to us. Like, I've been... Uh, Speaking of uh, like day job stuff, I was like, I'm going to learn how to code. Those guys get paid bank. So I've like been teaching myself how to write JavaScript. Mm -hmm. this, this is over the past 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And so you know, just like it, I have been getting into like learning how to do HTML and stuff a little bit. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you go in there, you, like what's actually going on with the website and just strings of code and, yeah. you know, brackets and, and all this stuff. But to a human who doesn't know how to code is just meaningless, you know? And, yeah. and I think that's the analogy, right? It's like, we... Well, it's the idea that, that, that knowing the truth doesn't always help. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in, well, the, I mean, the, maybe the we, truth's kind of meaningless. You know, like the the truth is how we perceive it. That's you voted for, for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, busted! <laughs> well, I guess I guess what he's saying is this idea that you know, t if you had to say, if you had to know what was going on in the computer every time you sent an email, right. it would not help you write that email. Exactly, it would. Hurt, and so you could not write. So that email. meaning meaningfulness or truth for you when you click on a folder on your desktop is just like that's. That is like the base truth for that interaction with you. Yes. And, the, mm -hmm. and even though there is a deeper level. True, you yeah. know, and it's all that needs to be true. But one of the things that it allows for me, like looking at that model, is I go, again, you know, let's say reality is a video game and that the atom is the pixel, you mm -hmm. know, and that that's because ultimately if you looked at your reality, it's a liquid thing. You know, buildings come and they disappear, mountains rise and they fall. You know, nothing is solid. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's physics. So everything within space time is the video game. On some level, and I was thinking, it's funny that our reality, like say politically speaking, it really f has that feeling of a video game to me. <laughs> sometimes when I think, even down to like little things, like okay, Newt Gingrich is talking about draining the swamp. He's a Newt. <laughs> like Newts are swamp creatures. Trump, the name Trump means to trump your, you know, the opponent who like to pull out a card when it's unexpected. Yeah, Trump card. I realized. I realized goes, that it really uh, feels like a video game. It's the same reality. in French. There's the word trompe, which is a trump, trick. Yeah. The, like to play a trick. trick and so trump actually means trick, and it's like root sense. It's like it's almost like the people who designed the game are using too heavy a hand. Yeah, they're yeah. <laughs> like, don't you guys see? Wake up! <laughs> it's right. a joke. But I guess the whole thing I'm getting at is just just those kinds of perspectives are helpful to me, and yeah. and also perspectives about like the nature of communication and how we think about ourselves. Because I've been trying to look at myself, you know. Because another thing, uh, is terms of trying to digest this experience, is looking at your own 
illusions. And as a comic, that's mm-hmm. like a primary thing that we have Absolutely. to do is look at ourselves, you know, because, you know, I could spend all day analyzing people and tearing them apart and showing mm-hmm. what idiots they are. But like, I want to find out the idiocy <laughs> in myself first, you know yeah. what I mean? That's kind of the most important idiocy yes. to, to, to look at. As uh, comics, have you guys felt like this has been an inspiring, uh, like just Trump? Is, has that felt inspiring or no, it's no. disheartening? No, it's been, uh, to me, it feels like more of a, mm, I don't know. Like, what's well, there's so much uncertainty now. You know what I mean? And so it's, I'm like, how much longer am I going to be allowed to speak in a <laughs> yeah. room? No, it's not like, uh, like George Bush would have been like a president where you're like, okay, this is going to be some good jokes. Yeah, you know? this will be like, ooh. But with Trump, it's too grim. It's right. too, yeah. and you also, if you're aware of anything, you're you're aware that like people will be losing their lives mm-hmm. and suffering tremendously. I might lose my life because mm-hmm. of this. You know, I mean that's mm-hmm. that's very very serious. Yeah, and, and um, when when somebody like this gets elected to, and they're giving a voice and a sense of uh, uh, justification to like the just the darkest, yeah, most impulses. hateful yeah. part. And um, Traeger and I had a, a conversation about this, like, the day before, well, just, like, the week before the election mm-hmm. where we were talking about, like, ugh, this is really, hopefully this doesn't happen, you know, because we're really on the precipice. <laughs> and, and then, uh, yeah, and then we were both with the two guys that I think looked the the, the greenest, like, too, like, backstage <laughs> at Helium, just like, oh. On election night. No, just like, yeah, the week <laughs> after, just like going, whoo, um, <laughs> real shell-shocked. But, but that's because, um, yeah, there's a sense of if somebody... I'm I, I, I have this thing where I think human beings are just these barely evolved hunter killer you know apes, and so if you let that impulse go in a society, uh, there's more than enough people that was just will revel in that that sense, and that's and, and that's a big thing that you know our forefathers really tried to mm-hmm. when they set up this system. Yeah. That's why there were checks and balances because they were like you really have to. <laughs> Temper every because every at every stage of this, someone will want to, oh, yeah. you yeah. know, uh, you know, uh, and and that's another thing is human beings. We're also um, as 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 living mammals. You know, we're we're an ex- you you try to f- exploit every system you're in. You know that even if whatever job you're in, you're like I can go to the bathroom for about fifteen <laughs> minutes before anybody notices. I can get a little high off this vape pen, go back, pretend to write an email for thirty minutes, but I'm probably just gonna be eating snacks out of my desk. And then you know if I put you know or if you're in school and you're in detention, you're like you would take apart your headphones and run one your headphones right. through the sleeve <laughs> of your long sleeve shirt and you would pretend like your head was on your hand but you're really just listening to music just we're you just exploiting every system you're in to do you know for the, your, your own pleasure your own pleasure and benefit yeah. and so uh yeah and and so now uh a child is running the school and so <laughs> like that's where we're at um so yeah, all pizza every day. You're like, we can't survive like this. We can't do but it'll this. be fun. Yeah, I had this thought uh, looking at my own uh, values and hypocrisies of my own stance, kind of. And one one thought I had, I was driving to Seattle not long ago, and on the way up, I saw two different trucks that were outfitted to roll cold. You know, the whole idea of rolling yeah. cold. You know that that term, rolling coal. Oh, where you, where you could blast extra yeah. exhaust. Yeah, you, you, yeah, yeah. It, what you do is you get a chip for your truck, and you can. My Camry does that actually, but it's not on you purpose. You didn't do it on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> it just rolls cold. Well, it's usually a big truck, and they'll have big chrome pipes like a diesel truck, like a big rig would have, mm-hmm. and uh, and they and you can install a chip in the newer truck, and it'll override the system, so you can blast black smoke, clouds of black smoke, out of your these t- pipes. And so then there's a uh, sort of thing on t- YouTube where 
where guys with these trucks will film themselves blasting black smoke at usually a Prius mm -hmm. or a woman jogging on the side of the road, those types of things. Yeah. But, uh, um, and, and of course, seeing two of those in one day, I was just like, oh my God, this is the end, the nadir of culture. This is the absolute lowest, you know, point. It's just like, just what who could you know you don't like kids to have air you know what, what yeah, yeah why right so why? you know it and that's how it kind of struck me just like one of those things where it's just absolute just rock bottom humanity but then i thought about it and i was thinking i, I was trying to come up with like a joke you know sort of idea but i was thinking like uh, the, the the joke might be like you know and i thought that's so terrible but you know my neighbors are this really nice couple and they're going to new zealand for two weeks right on a vacation an eco tour maybe um and they're doing that for fun. Like, that's what this guy does for fun. This is his fun. And this is what my neighbors do for fun. And what they're doing is going to put five metric tons of carbon in the air. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to spend $5,000 on that flight, the two of them. Yeah. And that's the equivalent of two cars on the road in, in the United States for a year. Yeah. Right? And yet, and they're doing that 100% for fun. You don't go to New Zealand to learn about the culture and help the people there. You know, you just go there because it's pretty and you saw it in Lord of the Rings and it's nice. <laughs> and yet, to me, that would be like something I'd be jealous of. I'd be like, God, they get to go to New Zealand. I would go on a <laughs> If I want a trip to New Zealand, I'd be on the plane immediately. You know, I wouldn't sell the ticket and give it to Greenpeace. You know, those people, they could stay home in Portland, a wonderful city, and be with their friends and give 5,000 bucks to fight climate change. Mm -hmm. But they aren't going to because they want to have the fun. And while you might say, well, intentionality matters and blah, 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 not to the earth. <laughs> it doesn't matter one bit. Uh, two people flying to New Zealand is worse, probably, than a rolling coal did. Yeah. And yet, that's a story we tell ourselves. Like, mm -hmm. one is really different. You know, my nice neighbors are not horrible human beings for doing that. You wish you were in a position to do it yourself. That's the kind of stuff that I'm trying to get to and trying mm -hmm. to think about to pop, you know, because then that also makes you take down your own kind of exactly. sense of superiority. Like, uh -huh. oh, I'm so superior because my priorities are different. It's like, no, ultimately, like you were saying, yeah. people just want to have fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's been the, the real takeaway for being a comedian is how do I, you know, because that's always what comedians do. Like, even, you know, it's like, what, how, what, you know, what's the boundary? How do I push it a little? And that also, like, you're trying to you know you're speaking comedians have always just been there to uh you know uh you be like they the emperor is not wearing any clothes it's yeah, like yeah. like you know like we've always done that I hope job. i never have to see trump wearing no clothes <laughs> uh you know what i'd be okay with that it would give me i'm like that would be funny are you kidding me that would actually be funny I, that would actually be a good news cycle i'm like what yes <laughs> one angle that no, not many people have talked about with trump um is that he is the oldest president ever elected 70 he's an elderly yeah he's the richest oldest white man ever elected isn't that that's kind of a milestone yeah, yeah. it's a huge milestone <laughs> <laughs> there we go we've hey. been we've been talking with Noriko Ott do you have any uh, shows coming up that yeah. we let people know about um, uh, okay so January I'm, move, I'm moving to New York um, um, I'm moving out of the state um <laughs> I want to go to where the first nukes fall. So that's uh, <laughs> why I'm going. <laughs> I'm like, so long, suckers. I'll see you five bombs later. Um, but um, so I'm moving to I'm moving to New York. But so I'm having a going away show uh, January 11th at Helium Comedy Club, and that's going to have a million amazing comics on Don't it. 